All right, well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Uh, uh, welcome to Victory Way Baptist Church. If you're a guest with us, we want to thank you for being with us. Uh, I'm looking around the room. If, we, if somebody here that hasn't been here before, hasn't been here in a while, and we're excited that you're here, we'd love for you to get a guest card. Anybody like that, raise your hand. Maybe you already got one. There's a lady right over here. Thank you. He's coming right now. He'll get you a gifts card, and thank you for being with us, and you're certainly our honored guest today. Real quick in your bulletins, just keeping up with everything that's going on. Uh, you know, we're back back inside, praise the Lord for that, and uh, nurseries reopened. Again, you know how vital that ministry is. We can still use more help, so uh, if you would be willing to sign up and help us in the, in the nursery, we'd appreciate that, that sign-up sheet on the back and so forth. Uh, uh, moving ahead, of course, Tuesday night, remember our, our time change for our midweek Bible study on Tuesday night. 7 p.m. And so, uh, come on, we're, we've been studying the one another verses in the Bible and just looking through the New Testament at all the commands that the Word of God gives us towards one another. And uh, and then, uh, uh, of course, Sunday school, we're back in Sunday school now as well as we just finished up. Uh, real quick, coming up December, the Women's Christmas Fellowship, you can read about that, but 6.30 and and uh, I think we're going to Sandy Watson's home, her new home. It's a different address than the last one, so make sure you go to the right place there. The address is in there, carpool, you can leave the church here about 6.30. 15 and then live nativity right around the corner we're going to partner again with joy ranch this year so if you want to be a help there they can use all the help they get they can get uh, but see miss lynn or her numbers in there you can call her about all that's going on again excited that you're here today looking forward how many of you came expecting something from god today i hope you did and uh, uh, excited to have my friend brother michael lane with us today to to preach for us and uh, we're just gonna get, get we're just gonna go to prayer and ask the lord to, to help us right now and get started with our service father what a privilege it is today, Lord, to once again assemble as believers, Lord. Thank you as we talked about in Sunday school, Lord, how that, that middle wall partition has, Lord, been it's been removed. And Lord, we come boldly now to the throne of grace. We're all one, uh, Lord, in the church. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. And Lord, no doubt there's folks here today that have problems. There's folks here today struggling with some things, Lord. And I pray that today they'd get some help, Lord. There's probably folks here that uh, Lord, need some encouragement, need some edification. I pray they would get that today. There's probably some folks here, Lord, that, uh, that need to be challenged, Lord, that need, that, that need the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God about some area of their life, Lord, they've allowed to slip or, or some sin they've allowed in their life. We pray for that, Lord. We pray for every single need. If there would be one here today that, that just needs Jesus, Lord, has never had a day and a time where they've, they've turned and they put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection, then I pray today would be their day of salvation. Lord, whatever the needs are, I pray that you'd meet the needs of your dear people. And may it start right now through our worship service, Lord. And then a little later as we open up the word of God, may the Holy Spirit would do what no preacher can do, Lord, and, and work in the hearts and lives of every person in this room, everybody listening by, sound, by live stream, everybody out in the parking lot, on the radio, whoever, Lord, would come across today's service. May they be blessed and challenged and changed as a result of it in Christ. Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Let's go ahead and stand as we jump into the worship part of the service. <clears throat> you know, Thanksgiving is just a few days away, and we should be thankful all the time, even as 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us, be thankful in all things, and everything give thanks. And so, and the, and the crazy thing is, we have so much that frustrates us so much that uh, can get under our skin. But even a lot of those things we need to be thankful for. Like getting stuck in traffic. Man, we've got cars that allow us to get stuck in traffic. 
We have roads on which we can have cars to get stuck in traffic. We have all sorts of things that we need to be thankful for, and God indeed commands us to. So let's start out by saying, give thanks. Circumstances. Uh, 
it hasn't been able to happen, but this week we're going to go ahead and have uh, Larry and Friends uh, featuring our special guest, uh, Mr. Teddy Turner right here. So they'll be singing a couple specials for us this morning.
hard hands Wipes my teardrops away And the dear nail-scarred hands Wipes my teardrops away Thank you, Dave. Uh, here it is. Uh, Thanksgiving. Man. The month of November's almost gone. And uh, we've passed right on Veterans Day. And uh, we didn't give a, get a chance to honor our vets. So uh, we want to thank God for our veterans this morning. Uh, the ones that... Uh, fought so hard to keep our country free, keep us where we are today, and uh, we want to thank God for them, and especially for those that paid the ultimate sacrifice. We just thank them, you know, so much. What can you say? You know, how can you thank them? If you see a veteran, just, just say thank you. And, uh, of course, it's Thanksgiving. We've got so much to be thankful for, so much to be thankful. You know, we have problems, all of us do. We're human. We have a lot of problems in this old life. But we do have so much to thank God for. When I look around and see the good thing He does for me, I know I'm unworthy of them all. But his blessing, blessing he freely gives I owe my life to him I've got so much to thank him for Yes, I've got so much to thank him for So much to praise him for Well, you see, he's been so good to me when I think, I think of what he's done and where, and where he's brought me from, I've got so much to thank him for. And sometimes, sometimes while on this way, I need. I Stop and say thank you for all you've done for me. And one day, when I reach heaven's shore, I know I'm gonna kneel once more. I've got so much to thank Him for. Yes, I've got so much to thank Him for. Yes, and when I think, I think 
Take just a moment as uh, Miss Christian's going to come up and get ready to play a, one more special. We've got extra specials today. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. And so uh, uh, while she's coming, I want to take just a moment to uh, just have a moment of reflection and prayer. You know, part of worshiping is uh, we've been praising the Lord this morning, and we're getting ready to hear the, the word preached here in a moment. But part of, the, part of the service we come to do is worship as well. And that means to, that means to kind of humble yourself and bow down spend a moment of uh, taking your needs and requests in this case by prayer to the lord jesus christ so let's do that this morning how many of you got a burden got a burden in your heart and your life all right well let's spend a moment not only praying for your burden but did y'all see those hands how about how about lifting up somebody else's burden for just a moment or so amen as we prepare our hearts now for the, the preaching of the word of God, Lord, the, we come to you, Lord, just, just lifting up each and every burden that's on a heart in here today. I'm thankful you know them all, and I'm thankful, Lord, you're able to, to help. I'm thankful you're a very present help in time of need, Lord, and uh, I'm thankful today, Lord, that whatever, whatever the circumstance is in each life, Lord, and uh, that, Lord, we can come together and we can bear one another's burdens by prayer and make intercession for one another but lord as we he get ready to head in in now just to the uh to the i guess the pinnacle of what we come to do today lord and that's to hear from you to hear your word preached lord your your word uh uh taught and lord and, the, and we just pray lord we remove any hindrances in our lives and our thought processes today focus in on what you'd have from us from your precious word Lord, we pray that you change us and mold us and make us and conform us into your image. Lord, if there is one who's never trusted in Christ, never had a day where they where they, they turned and put their trust in, in you, that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, just have your will and way in the rest of this service. And may Jesus Christ be glorified and magnified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, real quick, I'm going to introduce to you. This is uh, uh, Christian Lane. She is... Michael, brother Michael Lane's wife, and uh, their their kids are back in nursery, and uh, I've known them for quite a while. Brother Michael Lane and I went to college together, and he's now the youth pastor at. Uh, did I get that right? Right, and manager of technologies, right, <laughs> at Calvary Baptist Church in uh, King, North Carolina, and he's here to preach for us today. So, so right after Miss Christian sings a special for us, brother Michael will come up and preach. Amen. you've given 
given to me. My heart desires to be like you. to Genesis chapter 37 this morning, Genesis chapter number 37 in your Bible. Thankful to be here, thankful for every time that I'm able to stand and preach God's Word. Uh, as he said, I am the youth pastor at Calvary Baptist there in King, North Carolina, and uh, I'm used to preaching to teenagers. Yeah, I do preach in the, 
the main service, you know, big church, like we talked about sometimes, but I'm used to preaching to teenagers, so there's nothing that you can do this morning that is going to scare me. All right, you're, you know, if you're sleeping, I'm used to it. If you're throwing airplanes, I'm used to it. You know, I, it's, uh, it's all just part of the job. Now, as, as Pastor Mike mentioned, uh, we went to Bible college together, and I had a big misfortune in Bible college. I sat right behind Pastor Mike. And I don't know if you know anything about Pastor Mike, but he does not have the world's smallest head. Okay, we'll just, we'll just say it that way, okay? And I would sit behind him, you know, and I, man, class would be good. I'd be like, I can't see. So I'd lean this way, and then he'd lean this way. And then I'd lean that way, and he'd lean that way. And I'd move my chair, and he'd move his chair. And I'm already short as it is, you know, so it just wasn't fair. And, uh, it, you know, life sometimes is just that way. Life is not always fair. And uh, sometimes it just it just falls that way. And you know, you ask why didn't you move seats? Well, I don't know. That's a that's a, another story for another day. But I was stuck behind him, and uh, I'm very thankful for those those years we spent together. Uh, I remember Kevin and Colin when they were you know this size, and uh, thankful for for those memories those times. As the oldest of four, I look back and I think of all sorts of memories growing up. You know, we're getting ready to have Thanksgiving time. I'm going home to Georgia for Thanksgiving. I'll, I'll be in that place where I grew up spending time with my grandparents and family and uh, siblings. And we'll, we will begin to reminisce about all sorts of things that used to happen. Have you ever noticed how when you get older, you're grown, you're out of your parents' house, you begin to tell your parents about things you did when you lived at their house? Does that happen at y'all's house too? That usually happens around Thanksgiving time and, um, you know, all sorts of things that we would have been beat for before uh, now come to center stage, and that's just the way it works. But I remember growing up, there was a phrase that would, would often be used. It was this phrase, that's not fair. Has anybody here ever said that before? That's not fair? Uh, you, you know, you have the, the thing, again, I'm, I'm the oldest of four. I remember being the oldest, and, and younger kids begin to get privileges, and I'm saying, that's not fair. I didn't get that until I was older. You know, you're, as the older one, you're, you're able to go out and do things, and they're saying, why, why can't I do those things? That's not fair. I remember I worked hard. Uh, I had a job. I, was, I just turned 16. I was, I was working. I was driving. My parents said, we need to be able to keep up with you, so you need to get a cell phone. So, All right, this is great. You know, the, the long-awaited day came, 16 years old. And I went and I got my flip phone. You know, it was, it was the greatest day in the world. It, it took pictures that looked like it came from a potato, but it took pictures. You know, you, you can see them. They look terrible. But, man, it was the greatest thing in the world. I remember I got it. I went to a family get-together that day, and I was showing all my cousins, man. I, I was the envy of, of all the, the people who sat at the kids' table at Grandma's house, you know. They all looked, and they all thought, man, this is great. How in the world did you do that? How did you talk your parents into this? I said, I'm driving. I have a job. You know, I'm, I'm paying for it. They want to keep up with me. So I got my cell phone. I'm three years older than my brother. About two years later, I got a call from a number I did not recognize. Hello? Hey, man, I, this is my new phone. This is great. You know, that's not fair. How in the world did you get a phone? And I, I had to wait till I was 16, and now you're 15, and you're special, so you get a cell phone. Well, I'm seven years older than my oldest sister. Well, I remember just a couple years later, nowhere near 16 years old, I get a call from a number I don't recognize. I answer it. Hey, this is Anna. This is my new phone number. Well, how in the world does this work? 
Well, my youngest sister is 11 years younger than me. And I remember one day I was at work. And I got a call from a Georgia number. At this point, I'm living in North Carolina. Most numbers calling me are North Carolina numbers or saved in my phone. And I thought, who in the world could this be? My nine-year-old sister was calling me from her cell phone. At this point, I'm out of the house. Uh, I have a job. Uh, I'm married. And I go, how in the world? Life is not fair. Now, you know, babies, are, uh, they're born, and, and the doctor slaps them for the first time. They begin to cry, and then they take the selfie, you know. 21 inches, 7 pounds, 4 ounces, and that goes on their story. That's just the way that it goes these days. But the older I got in life, the more I realized the reality of life is not fair. And whether somebody getting a cell phone, or whether you're stuck behind somebody in college that you can't see past them, or whatever it is, life tends at times to not be fair. Life at times seems to throw us curveballs and and give us heartaches, and we find that life just isn't fair. Situations aren't fair. Circumstances aren't fair. Do you ever just look at life and think, this isn't fair? Why am I in this circumstance? Why am I in this situation? Well, this morning we're going to look at several situations in the life of Joseph and see that although life is not fair, God is still there. Life is not fair, but God is still there. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into our reading. Lord, we love you today. We're thankful today that you love us. We're thankful today that you care for us. And Lord, although at times we look at our life, Lord, and we wonder why things are the way they are, we look at our circumstances, and we just don't understand. We understand today, Lord, that you're in control. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to, to determine to be in your will. Lord, if there's anyone here today who does not know you as Savior, I pray that you would work in their heart that they would receive you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'll be honest, when, when Pastor Mike asked me to preach, uh, I began to pray, begin to read, begin to think about what I would be preaching. And I thought about several things. I worked and prepared different messages, did different things. And I drove in the parking lot this morning having no idea what it was God wanted me to preach. And then Pastor Mike stood up and he began to teach this morning. And I knew it right right off the bat. So if you miss Sunday school, you miss part of what I'll be preaching today. So uh, we, we see Genesis chapter number 37. We'll begin in verse 3. We're just going to read a short portion of the life of Joseph. And then we'll, we'll sort of jump in and give the narrative of Joseph's life. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. The Bible says, No, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So we, we find here's Joseph. He is the, the, the son of his, his father's old age, and his brothers do not like him. His brothers are jealous because he has been given a coat of many colors. So we see this morning the family of Joseph. He was born into a wealthy family. God placed him in the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Genesis chapter 12, God had promised Abraham that uh, he, he was gonna, uh, he was gonna birth out of him a great nation, that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed, that through him would come the, uh, the redeemer, that there would be protection on his life. God promised many great things to his family, and here he is born into this fortunate family, this family of privilege, this family of status, and God has blessed him in a great way. You know, somebody said one of the greatest mysteries of life is the choice of the family into which each of us is born. One thing is for sure, though, we did not do the choosing. 
No one asks us if we'd like to be born red, yellow, black, or white. No one asks us if we'd like to be born into a Christian home or a communist home or a pagan home. No one asks us if we'd like to be born into a happy home or a family containing both parents or a broken home. No one asks us if we'd like to be born into a rich man's mansion or a beggar's shack, unfortunately. No one asks us if we would... Uh, like to be born in the United States or India or Ethiopia. No one asks us if we'd like to be born in this century or maybe some other century. No one asks us if we'd like to be born gifted or special needs or healthy or sick or male or female or ugly or attractive, unfortunately, again. This is not our doing. This is the plan of God. This is the place that God has put us. And Joseph did not choose to be in his family, but God placed him in his family. His, his grandfather Isaac had been tricked into giving the birthright to his father Jacob, who always had a trick up his sleeve. And now we find him here, he is the favorite of his father. Well, why is that? Well, the Bible tells us it's because of his old age. But then we find, we go back and we look at the story of Jacob. We know that Jacob was always a trickster. Jacob always had a plan. Well, one day Jacob met a guy who, who always had a plan as well. It was his uncle, and his uncle's name was Laban. Well, you know, you're, you're not quite up into West Virginia yet, so we don't quite get the cousin marrying thing, but they did it a lot in the Old Testament. So we find that he is there. He is, do you marry cousins around here? Is that, do people do that? Okay, all right, good, okay. So we find that, that there's Jacob. He, he is, he's there working for his Uncle Laban, and he sees her. He sees Rachel, the one that he loves. Well, well, of course, you know, he ends up having to work seven years for her. Can you imagine that? Working seven years for her? That must have made arguments great, right? You know, you don't love me? I worked seven years for you. You know, it seems like that would solve a lot of things. Well, he, he works for her. I don't really understand how this course of events works out, but he ends up marrying her, and then he wakes up the next morning and finds out he didn't marry her. He married her sister Leah. Can you imagine that? How in the world does that work? So he works another seven years. Finally, again, one of these things that maybe happens in West Virginia, not Virginia or North Carolina, he marries the second woman. So he, he has uh, Rachel and Leah. He's married to both of them at the same time. And we find, though, that, that Leah's having children right away. Rachel's struggling. God's not blessing her in that way. But Jacob loves Rachel. And finally... Rachel has a son. His name is Joseph. He is the son of the one that Jacob loves. He is the favorite of his father. He's worked all of these years for this wife. He marries her. She can't have children. Finally, she has children, and Joseph is born, and he's the favorite. You know, oftentimes we look at tough situations, we, we pout, and we consider how unfair life is. We, we throw ourselves a pity party and invite everybody to it. And we get into a bad situation, and all we can do is, is worry about ourselves. But in this situation, we find that life was not fair. But life was not fair because Joseph was the favorite. Joseph was the one that all the brothers envied. Joseph was the one that always had the easy job. Joseph was the one who never had to worry about anything. And sometimes we forget how good we have it. Sometimes we're complaining about life not being fair in this area or that area or we're stuck in traffic or whatever the situation may be 
and we forget to count our blessings. We forget how good God is to us. We forget that he loves us like we are his only child. And we forget that no matter how bad we have it, that our God is still good and our God still loves us and our God will take care of us. So no matter how big your storm today, no matter how bad your situation, just understand today that you are the favorite of your father. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. And we find that Joseph is in a situation here where his dad absolutely loves him to pieces. We know the favor of his father brings the fury of his brothers. Things end up not going very well at all. We find in Genesis chapter 37, verse 12, the Bible says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, and see whether it be thy brethren, and, um, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. So we find here, the brothers are sent out to hard work. Joseph is not sent to hard work. I, I have a, a four-year-old and a three-year-old right now. Anybody in here ever had a four-year-old and a three-year-old before? It's a life is not fair kind of time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what happens? One of them is doing something, the other one runs in. Mommy, he pushed me. Mommy, he touched me. Mommy, he looked at me. And, and life is always not fair. And I tell them, nobody likes a tattletale. Are you bleeding? Are you dead? Do we need to call the ambulance? Then be quiet. Nobody likes a tattletale. You've all heard that, right? Well, we find that Joseph is kind of sent to be the tattletale a little bit. We find that here he is, his brothers are out working, his dad says, hey, go check on your brothers. Make sure they're doing all right. Make sure everything is okay. Make sure that, that the cattle are well taken care of. Make sure that everything is all right. So he goes, and we get to verse 18. Uh, and we came and saw them afar off, even, um, e uh, even before... He came near to them. They conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. Well, we know that earlier in the, the life of Joseph, he had had a dream that all of his brothers and his father had bowed down to him. He's the favorite of his father. And he makes the mistake of letting his brothers know that he had this dream that they would one day be bowing down to him. They hate him. Can you just imagine as Joseph comes up, they're conspiring to kill him, and they, uh, Reuben looks at Simeon and says, Hey, look at that on my hands. Look at, look at Joseph's hands. There's a callus on my hand. Hey, Joseph, come here, buddy. Let's see if there's any calluses on your hand. And they reach out, and they feel the hand of Joseph, and his hands are soft. His hands are smooth. Hey, Joseph, we've been building fences. Uh, we've been taking care of cattle. We've been shoveling out all kinds of things that you don't want to shovel out. Hey, Joseph, what have you been doing? Hey, Joseph, how hard is your life? And before you know it, his brothers are ready to kill him. They conspire. They make a plan that they are going to kill Joseph because he's the favorite of his father. There's jealousy there. You ever get jealous? Do you ever see maybe somebody who has something a little bit nicer than you do and you're jealous of them? Do you ever see somebody who's in a better situation than you and you begin to get jealous of them? Their house is nicer than yours. You just wish your house was nicer. Their car is nicer than yours, and you just wish your car was nicer. 
You work way harder, but they got the promotion. You are doing everything you can, but they're getting the raise, and we get jealous. That's where his brothers are. And it goes from jealousy to hatred. They hate him. They want to murder him. You know, nobody, nobody wakes up and says, you know, one day I'm going to be a murderer. How does it start? A little jealousy. A little jealousy leads to a little bit more jealousy. And that leads to a little bit more. And before you know it, it leads to hatred. Before you know it, hatred leads to murder. It's important that we understand that little sins grow into bigger sins and bigger sins and bigger sins. And before we know it, sometimes we can find ourselves in trouble because one little seed of something bad got into our life and it's blown up into something horrible. We find here that Joseph's brothers are jealous of him and they hate him and they are ready to get rid of him. So they're going to murder him. They're going to kill him and say, hey, wild animal got him. Sounds like a great plan, right? Well, then they look up. And there's slave traders coming. They see the caravan coming across the desert. You can just imagine as they look up and, and they can't tell at first if it's a mirage or if there's actually somebody. And then it gets a little closer and a little closer. And before they know it, there's the caravan. There's the slave traders coming right across the desert. And they've got Joseph. At this point, they've thrown him in a pit. They're trying to decide what to do. Some brothers are saying, kill him. Some brothers are saying, don't kill him. And then all of a sudden, they realize, hey, we can make some money off of this guy. Here's a chance not only to get rid of him, but we can enrich ourselves a little bit. Hey, who don't want like a little money? You know what I'm saying? A little extra, a little extra golf money is what I call it. You know, make a little money, time to go play golf. You know, here they are. Not only do they get rid of their biggest problem in life, but now they've got some change. They got a chance for something good to happen. And I can just imagine as Joseph is there, he's in the pit and he's listening. He thinks he's about to die. And at that point, life is not fair. But can I tell you that when life is not fair, God is still there. I can imagine they, they finally decide they're going to sell him into slavery. And I can imagine as Joseph is there. I don't know if this is exactly how it would work or not, but his hands are tied. He's behind a slave caravan and he's walking through the desert. And he looks back and he sees his brothers for what he thinks is going to be the last time. And his brothers look up and they see him for what they think is going to be the last time. And they're excited to be getting rid of him. And Joseph is devastated because his dad is gone. His coat of many colors is gone and being shredded before his eyes. Everything he knows, everything he loves is behind him. And at that point, life is not fair. But when life is not fair, God is still there. We find that he's sold into slavery. The next time we find Joseph is in Genesis chapter 39. And we're going to find that Joseph is in the house of Potiphar. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. The Bible says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him into the hands, I'm sorry, brought him into the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. So the Ishmaelites had bought him, they brought him into Egypt, and he's this young man, he's strong, he, he is an intelligent young man. So Potiphar, this, this very high-ranking guy in, in, the, in the government there, sees him and buys him. Verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph. Life wasn't fair, but God was there. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of the master of the Egyptian, uh, I'm sorry, of his master of the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him and made him overseer 
over his house and all that he had put into his hand. It came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all he had in his house and in his field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Everything that he had is now Joseph's. Everything he has is in Joseph's hand. Let me ask you a question. Let's just suppose that you're in Joseph's shoes. You were the baby at home. You were the one that was loved. And all of a sudden, here you are. You're hated by your brothers. You're sold into slavery. You're in a bad situation. You're away from home. You're away from everything you've ever known. What in the world are you going to do? What will your attitude be like? You know, oftentimes when we get in hard spots, our attitude gets bad. You know, it's interesting that you can take two people, put them both in a hard situation, and of those two people, one of those people is going to draw closer to God, and one of those people is going to push themselves away from God. How do you handle rough situations? What do you do when, when your back is up against the wall? What do you do when you're sold into slavery? What do you do when you're thrown in prison with no reason? How do you handle yourself? Well, we find a great example in the way that Joseph handled himself. Scholars believe that, that this term, captain of the guard, means chief of the executioners. <laughs> okay, so not only have you been hated by your, your brothers, sold into slavery, now you are in the house of maybe the chief executioner of Egypt. Chief of the executioners is possible. Head of the police will be a possibility. He would have been head of the prison system, most likely, and a very tough man. Joseph may have been sold into slavery and away from his home, but you know what Joseph could remember? Joseph could remember what his parents had instilled in him. Joseph could remember how that he was supposed to love the Lord his God. Joseph could remember that he came from the people of promise. Joseph could remember that God had a plan for his life. And can I tell you today that it may not be fair, but God is still there. It may seem like everything is lost. It may seem like there's nothing but despair. It may seem like there is no hope in sight. But can I tell you today, God is still there. God has not forgotten you. And it's important today that you don't forget him. One commentary said, Though changed in condition, Joseph was not changed in spirit. Though stripped of the gaudy coat that had been adorned his person, he had not lost the mutual graces that distinguished his character. Though separated from his father on earth, he lived in communion with his father in heaven. Though, the house, though in the house of an idolater, he continued a worshiper of the true God. We don't fully understand everything about this situation, but from verses, uh, verses 3 and 4, both bring up that everything that was put in the hand of Joseph was blessed. God prospered him. God did amazing things through him. And when he was at the, maybe one of the lowest points of his life, he continued to trust God, and he continued to bless God, and he continued to be a man of character. And in spite of everything going on around him, God blessed Joseph, and God blessed those people around Joseph. When you're in a hard time, does God bless people around you because of what, the way that you handle things? Does God bless uh, the people around you because they can see God through you? That's what happened in the life of Joseph. God blessed everybody around him because of him. It's important to understand that our God needs to shine through. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, 
But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He says it is important that we remember that people will persecute us, but we need to just remember the things that we know to be true. And in the darkest of night, we need to let the light shine the brightest. Verse 7 of chapter 39 says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not uh, what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath into mine hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? What does he say there? And sin against who? Against God. He doesn't say sin against Potiphar. He doesn't say sin against you. He says sin against God. It's important that we understand that every sin that we commit, everything that we do is not necessarily a sin against that person we're mad at or a sin against that person we're trying to get back at. It is a sin against the God of heaven. Joseph, remember that. Joseph had learned many lessons in his life, and, and it's important that we learn lessons. And it is that God has a purpose and a plan for our life. And that plan includes the circumstances under which we were born. It, 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 God, nothing catches God by surprise. There, there's never a situation where God says, Oh man, I forgot that was going to happen to her today. What in the world was I thinking? No, God knew what was going to happen to you. A thousand years before you were born, God knew everything about you. And it's important that you understand he has not forgotten you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Our God is always with us. Joseph was a man of morals. Joseph was a man who could have done anything he wanted to. His mom and dad didn't know where he was. There was nobody looking over Joseph's shoulder. But the God of heaven was looking over Joseph's shoulder. I'm used to preaching to teenagers, as I said. If I were preaching to a room full of teenagers today, I would say, when your mom and dad are not there, who are you? But I'm preaching to a room of adults today. When your boss is not there, who are you? When your spouse is not there, who are you? When there's nobody looking over your shoulder and you're all alone and it's just you in the house, what's on your cell phone? What's on your TV? What's on your computer? And it's important for us to understand that there is a God in heaven who is always watching us. And there's a God in heaven who, though we may be in a situation of testing, He sees our faithfulness and He sees our reliability. And He saw that there was a, a young slave in Egypt who could be trusted and God continued to develop great plans for Joseph. What is it that's going on in your life? Hey, what is it? What trying situation is it that you're in the middle of today? What is it that you're facing that you don't understand, that you're asking why, that you're telling God how unfair it is? And as you're in that situation right now, are you saying, God, I'm going to be faithful. God, I'm going to stick with it. God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to back away from you. I'm not going to stop being who you want me to be. God, I am yours. And no matter what situation I'm in, God, I will be faithful. That's what we see in the life of Joseph. And we see the faith of Joseph. We see him in prison. Chapter 39, verse 21 says, But the Lord was with Joseph. Do y'all notice that? Joseph is, is sold into slavery, and the Bible says, But the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph is thrown in prison, and the Bible says, But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him mercy, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So imagine you're Joseph, thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit by the head of the king's guard, and he kept serving God. He was a man of God even in prison, 
even in the worst of your days today, you are a child of God. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You are a person who God saw valuable enough to give his life for and have a plan for, and he wants to do something great in your life. You've got to remember, even though it's a bad day, he's still there. So here he is. He's in prison with the butler and the baker. Almost sounds like a joke, right? Here he is, and the butler and the baker both have a dream. And Joseph is able to say, hey, based on your dream, you're going to die in a couple days. Imagine that. That doesn't sound like a good scenario, does it? And then he, he, he looks at the, the butler, and, and the butler's dream is basically a get-out-of-jail-free card. Hey, hey, in just a couple days, you're going to get out of here. Whatever you do, though, when you get out of here, do not forget me. So sure enough, the day comes, the baker's dream is fulfilled. He's killed. The day comes, the butler's dream is, is fulfilled, and he is out of jail. Man, he is great. There's a problem, though. He forgets, uh, he forgets Joseph. He doesn't remember that he's there. You know, it's interesting how God can use our past to remind us of how good he is in our present. He can teach us lessons from, from things that we've known in the past to, to help us through where we are right now. Can you imagine as Joseph would sit on his dad's knee and his dad would tell him about how the, he had worked 14 years to get his mom? He could hear about the patience of Jacob. He could hear from his mom how that, how that Rachel had, had waited 14 years for the love of her life. And he could learn and he could hear those things. And here he is waiting, forgotten in prison. His family doesn't know where he is. And life is not fair. But when life is not fair, God is still there. And although Joseph thought he was forgotten in prison, Joseph was not forgotten in prison. In our lives, we can look at the great patriarchs and, and see how God delivered them. And can I tell you that the God that parted the Red Sea, the God that did not forget Jake, uh, Joseph in prison, is the same God that we serve today, and he has not forgotten you in the situation that you're in right now. He's forgotten in jail, and after several years, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh dreams, and he, he has no idea what it means. He, he first dreams that there are seven Seven cows. <laughs> I can imagine he goes, that is what cows should look like. I mean, these are the prototypical healthy cows. Man, everything is great. He's dreaming. And all of a sudden, here are seven sickly cows. Seven cows that look like they're on the verge of death. And they devour the seven healthy cows. And then, he has another dream. Here's this, this, uh, this, corn that's growing up. Man, everything looks good. It's healthy. And then it's devoured by the bad corn. And he, what in the world does this mean? He, he wakes up. Do you ever have one of those dreams sometimes where you're having a bad dream and you wake up and you catch your breath and you see that everybody's still there and your, your house is still there and everything else is all right. And then you fall back asleep and the same doggone dream comes back to you. Man, those are bad nights. That's exactly what happened to Pharaoh. He's troubled. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to turn for help. So he looks at the finest and most well-trained magicians of the land of Egypt. There's a problem, though. They have no answers. Did you know we're in a hardship the world doesn't have the answers? And that person at work might think they know everything, but they don't know everything if they don't know God. They might have the what seems like the best advice in the world, but if they don't know God, their advice is not good. 
And all of a sudden, when Joseph thinks he's forgotten, when Joseph thinks he is in a place that nobody will ever remember him, and he's going to die in prison, God has placed a butler in earshot of Pharaoh. Nobody else knows what's going on, but God knows what's going on. And the butler begins to hear. And he begins to think back. And he remembers that time when he was in prison and he had a dream. And this young slave by the name of Joseph had an answer for him. And he goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, there's a guy back there in prison. And he interpreted my dream. I bet he can interpret your dream too. Pharaoh brings Joseph out. He tells him the dream. And Joseph tells him exactly what it means. It says that the, the seven uh, healthy cows and the seven uh, uh, healthy uh, crops there that were devoured by the seven bad crops means that they're going to have seven years of great prosperity in Egypt. And then they're going to have seven years of famine. So he tells, tells the Pharaoh there, you need to appoint someone who is over uh, the nation of, of uh, Egypt who can, who can manage this thing. Who in these seven great years can, can build up and stock up so that in seven bad years... All the world will turn to us for their resources. Pharaoh says, man, that's pretty good. You know what? I think I, I know the guy for the job. Can you imagine as he calls his job references? Hey, Potiphar, how'd this guy do in your house? When he was there, everything that he touched turned to gold. He had the Midas touch. I mean, everything was great. Joseph, you're hired. Says that says that he gave him his signet ring. This ring that had the seal of Egypt, had all the authority of Egypt. He is essentially the vice president of, of Egypt. He has all the power that he could possibly want. It's pretty good for a guy who was sold into slavery and forgotten in prison, isn't it? And sure enough, the seven good years come. And Joseph, being the, the wise steward he is, he, he stocks everything up. Seven bad years come, and sure enough, all the, all the world, all that region anyway, turns to Egypt. They begin to look to them for, for supplies. They're starving. They've got to do something. So through a long series of events with the famine, Joseph's brothers are brought before him. Genesis chapter number 45, he's standing before his brothers. Verse 5 of Genesis chapter 45, the Bible says, Now therefore... Be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me here before you to preserve life. Verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. You may look at your trials and think God's forgotten you, but God never forgets. God put Joseph through this this schooling for, for many hard years, and he passed the test, and he saved a nation. And the nation of Israel... Uh, that was saved because of this man by the name of Joseph. So let's just rewind real quick, and let's go back for a quick review. Joseph is the favorite of his father. His brothers are furious. They sell him into slavery after they decide not to kill him. He's brought into slavery. He's falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. He's forgotten in prison, and then God delivers him from prison. And we would all look back at that and say, God, why did you make me go through those things, but not Joseph? 
Joseph looks back at those things, and Joseph realizes that if his brothers would have uh, would have never hated him, if his brothers would have never sold him into slavery, if he never would have been falsely accused and thrown into prison, he never would have been in the position to interpret the dream. If he never would have interpreted the dream, they would have had seven good years and not known what to do with it. Seven bad years would have come and would have decimated the entire area. Nobody could come to Egypt for food. Nobody could come to Egypt for sustenance. And before they knew it, a region would have died. But Joseph says what you meant for bad, the way that you hated me, the way that you mistreated me, the way that all these things went wrong, God was working that for good. God had a plan. And without you selling me into slavery, without me being falsely accused and thrown into prison, the world around us would die. But God had a plan. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. I'm not very patient, are you? And I find that when I'm not very patient, God takes me to school a little bit usually. And he begins to make me more patient. James goes on to say, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. He says, you are going to be tried in life, and when you are tried, grow, move forward with it. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Most misused word, uh, verse in the Bible, probably. It usually stops there. And we know that all things work together for good. And then it ends. But that's not where the verse stops. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Who do all things work together good for? Those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. We know the name Emmett Smith. He ran for more yards than any player in NFL history. He ran for 18,355 yards. That's almost 10 and a half miles. And if you didn't know the name Emmett Smith, and I told you it took a guy 10 and a half, I'm sorry, uh, 13 years to run only 10 and a half miles, you would say, what a waste. But Emmett Smith didn't just run 10 and a half miles in 13 years. Emmett Smith had 11 of the biggest, fastest guys you've ever seen in your life chasing him as he is running those 10 and a half miles. He was knocked down a couple times, but he got back up. He ran those 10 and a half miles on an average of 4.2 yards at a time. Do you know what happened? He ran just over 12 feet, and some big old dude knocked his block off. And then he got up, he went back to the huddle, and he ran 4.2 more yards. And some big old dude knocked his block off. And he did that over 13 years for 10 and a half miles. And he got smarter, and he got better at it. And every time he got knocked down, he got back up again. Aren't you thankful that every time Joseph was left in the place that he thought he was forgotten, he kept remembering God? He kept moving forward. There are times in our life when it seems like life is not fair, but in those times, God is still there. In 1911, Reverend W.B. Stevens was an itinerant preacher. He was traveling through the Indian Territory by train, and he began to feel depressed. His wife was there expecting their firstborn child in a few weeks, and he wouldn't be there for the occasion because he would be out preaching across the country, and he felt that his priorities in his ministry were in the Indian Territory, so he felt that it was important that he preached to those people. He was sitting on the train next to a guy by the name of J.R. Baxter. J.R. Baxter was a gospel music promoter, and, and um, 
he, he looked over and he began to see what, what Reverend Stevens there was writing down. He offered him $2 for those words. J.R. Baxter then put those words to music. I can't sing. I wish I would, but I'll read for you the words. Tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder. Why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. When death has come and taken our loved ones, it leaves our home so lonely and drear. Then do we wonder why others prosper, living so wicked year after year. Begins to get good, though. When we see Jesus coming in glory, when he comes down from his home in the sky, then shall we meet him in that bright mansion. We'll understand it all by and by. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Today you may feel like life has not been fair. It's all out of whack. There's no answers. There's no reason for any of this. But can I tell you today that there's a God in heaven who remembers you. He's not forgotten where you are. And although life is not fair, God is still there. I mentioned a verse earlier. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them who love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Can I tell you today, it may be that you're in here and you feel like everybody's forgotten you, and you don't know Jesus is your Savior, if that's the case, you really are without hope. I, I can't imagine going through a trial without Jesus as my Savior. I can't imagine going through something without my relationship with Him. If you don't know Him today, He wants to know you. He loves you. He died for you. You can accept Him today. Life is not fair, but God is still there. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you so much for your love for us. Lord, I pray today that you would work in hearts and lives. Lord, I don't know uh, the needs in this room today, but you do. Lord, I just pray that you would work and that you would move today. In Jesus' name, amen. The heads bowed, eyes closed today. I, I don't know where you are. I, I've, I've only met a couple people in this room before today. Maybe you're in here today and you say, if I'm in here today and if I died, I don't know that heaven would be my home. If I died today, I do not know for sure that I'd go to heaven. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? If I died today, I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven. All right, as I look, I, I don't see uh, any hands raised. I may have missed someone, but I, I didn't see anybody's hand go up. Maybe in here today you can say, you know what, today I'm going through a trial, and I don't understand why I'm going through this. Today I'm facing something harder than I ever thought I would face. And I need God's help. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? Hands up around the room. Can I tell you today that God's not forgotten you? He's going to use this for his glory. He's going to help you through this situation. As the piano begins to play today, would you come and give your trial to him? You say, God, I feel forgotten. God, I feel alone. God, there's, there's no hope. God is still there. I love the song, Standing Somewhere in the Shadows, You'll Find Jesus. Hope may seem lost today. Despair may be setting in, and you feel like there is no answer on the horizon. Keep trusting. Keep trusting. Keep waiting. He's got answers for you. He's got help for you. He's got comfort for you.
As Reverend W.B. Stevens said, we'll understand it all by and by. Amen. Great challenge from the Word of God. Well, how many of you have studied the life of Joseph? Well, what a powerful life that is, I tell you what. If you can't read through the life of Joseph and get help, <laughs> then uh, uh, there's not much help. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, ought, you ought to read through it. Amen. It'll challenge you. Thank you for, thank you for the good message, my friend. Can, I'll ask you and Mr. Christian if you step to the back so folks could elbow you or whatever they're going to do on the way out. And, uh, and uh, thank you again, my friend. Brother Mike will be back with us tonight, 630. Look forward to that. And uh, uh, thankful again for uh, the good challenge and the good message today. Listen, no matter God's always there, isn't he? Amen. So even when life's unfair, what a great what a great thought, great challenge. All right, we're gonna close with a with a hymn. I think Brother Hunter's gonna lead us there. And uh, all right, and we'll be dismissed. Well please stand as we sing our last song of victory as we head out. Uh, if you pull up those words real quick, uh, I think we're singing redeemed. I was thinking about the first line, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Is that truly something that we love to proclaim? You know? Like like Miss Christine's song that she played. Do they see Jesus in me? Or if you went to your friends and asked them, do you know, what, what do you think of me? Do you think I'm a Christian? And if they couldn't say yes, is that is that the case? Now let's think about it as we sing. Oh,